Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Never Seen It. It's our Oscar special for 2022. My name is Trent. I'm here with my wife, Betsy. I'm here too. So, Betsy, we did it. All 10 movies. Best picture nominees for this year. Yeah. Oh, for last year. (laughs) Yes. For this here Oscar season. Yes. uh, We watched all of them. And today we're going to sit down and talk about all of them. This is going to be a spoiler-free podcast. So if you haven't watched all of the movies, don't worry. We're not going to spoil anything important. We are going to talk about them. Maybe some specific things, but we're not going to go out of our way to spoil things. We are going to try real hard to make sure we don't give away everything. Everything. <laughs> if you want to hear everything, go back and reference the episode go we did for each of these individual movies. Indeed. So, the way we did this last year is Betsy and I sat down and ranked all ten movies in a row, our personal ranking. Independently. And we did this individually. I don't know what Betsy has for her list, and she doesn't know mine. We don't share in advance. (laughs) Yes. So we're going to list every movie in alphabetical order. Yes. Our our order is chosen that way because it's just the easiest to keep track of, and it's the fairest. And it's it's the way that the Oscar Academy actually lists them when they announce the, the, the nominees. So let's get started at the beginning. The first movie we're going to talk about is Belfast. Betsy, where did you have Belfast on your list? Out of the ten movies, I have Belfast at number four. Okay. So, definitely near the top for me. Where do you have it? I also have it at number four. Nice! (laughs) I have a feeling our lists will be pretty similar towards the top and towards the bottom. The middle. The in-between is going to be a crapshoot. The middle is always so arbitrary because it just comes down to little things. But I feel pretty good about the placement of this one. It was really, really good. I was very emotional at times. I Mm -hmm. thought it was funny i thought it looked amazing like when i we we both went back and re-listened to our episodes to kind of prepare for this a few of them yeah and one of the things that i was remembering listening to it that i was so impressed by was how every inch of the frame has stuff going on yeah and just the way everything is positioned you are looking at something in the foreground, but there's something interesting in the background. Right. There are other characters in the background who are actually reacting to things going on in the foreground. Yeah. So I, I was just really impressed by how it looked. I was really impressed with the overall story. I think I learned some things that Mm -hmm. I didn't know about a time of history and a part of the world. I'm not that familiar with. And I, I love Kenneth Branagh, and I just thought it was it was a lovely movie. Yeah, um, and when I write up my, my rankings here, I always put a little ditty, like a little summary of thoughts, and I wrote this about Belfast. I said, movies that can teach you something about history, but also give you a personal story at the same time, is hard to do. Because you have this overarching story about what is happening in Northern Ireland, But you also have this family. We got this little kid and his parents 
are going through some personal issues, some professional issues, and some grandparents are also there. So you have to interweave the overarching story with the very small, minute details. And I think he does a really good job. Yeah. And and for a part of history that I'm not very familiar with, it made, I think, you you and I both very interested to learn more. Absolutely. Like we, I think we, we scoured the a bunch of Wikipedia entries. We immediately Googled it. <laughs> <laughs> and if a movie can get us to really dig into some history, that just makes it successful in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. We're, ch- we're students of history and oh, yeah. things like this always just make me hungry to learn more. Totally. So yes, I, I put this one at four. I think that's a good spot for yeah. it. I don't think it was my absolute favorite of the year. Mm-hmm. I definitely think it. part of my thing that I rank these is would I rewatch it? I would definitely rewatch this movie. Yeah, if for nothing else, just to look at it. Mm-hmm. Because I kind of got the story. It's it's not a story I need to hear again. But I think just how he put everything together, looking at the scenes, which you talked about with the with the framing of everything, seeing what else I missed. Yeah. So... So that's Belfast, number four for both of us. All right, so the next movie up is Coda. Trent, where did you have Coda on your ranking? So this one was a contentious one for, I think, both of us. I put Coda at number nine. I actually put it at number eight. Okay. So we're still kind of in the same neighborhood, certainly. And again, this is kind of that middle to lower tier. And listening back, I think we both had pretty similar feelings. Yeah. So my overall kind of thoughts about Coda is that it was a nice story, but it wasn't deserving of a Best Picture nomination. I've seen a lot of nominated movies for Best Picture. This does not fit with them. Okay. This, to me, feels like it is an overgrown like after-school special, to a point. And you talked about it in the episode where we've seen this story before. Especially you. You've, versions you've of You've seen versions of this story in the past where there's difficulties at home. We got a talented kid. We have struggles at home. And you might have some nuggets of other struggles in, in relation to people having disabilities. Mm-hmm. And that's all this movie is about. Right. And... <laughs> I didn't dislike this movie. And I said this in the episode. Yeah. And don't misunderstand me. In the in a placement of 10 movies, it's really hard to rank these, some of them. Especially yeah. like this, because it's not bad. But something has to be in the bottom. And for me, it just felt predictable. It was a little bit cliche. Yeah. I wasn't that invested. I liked it. I did. Yeah. I just There's didn't There's not much wrong it. with the movie. No. I have really nothing against it. I have nothing really super negative to say, like, ah, oh, this movie was shit. No, this movie no. was not shit. No. This movie was a good movie. It None just, of the movies on our list are shit. No, it just didn't touch me in the way that I know other people have been affected by Coda. Sure. I know a ton of people who love this movie. Yeah. They love it. And for some reason, it just didn't click and connect with me. Yeah. And I think maybe the subject matter that they're really going for here, I, I I said it in the episode, but it just seems like they're going after the Oscar bait. A little bit. And it's Apple 
gunning for some glory. Yeah. And I don't know what was happening in the background or behind the scenes when it comes to them really, really pushing for this one. But, you know, we, we saw Sound of Metal last year and it dealt with other, uh, other deaf individuals. And I think it was handled better. This is, it just wasn't special for me. I was much more affected by Sound of Metal last year. Yeah. I seem to recall weeping (laughs) (laughs) repeatedly. Yeah. I didn't find myself doing that in this movie. Yeah, because our main character in CODA, the hardest thing that she's going through is that her parents kind of suck. Except they don't even, it's not even that. Like They're inconsiderate. Yes. Yeah, if you can say nothing else, they are very inconsiderate of their daughter. Fair. So... That's really the difficulty here. You know, you could have it be a coming-of-age story. You can have it be trouble at home. But it, what nothing was like... There's no big big stakes here at all. And by the end of the movie, it's just like, okay, that was kind of a nice story. Yeah. That, that could have been on, you know, a, a made-for-TV movie on the WB. Right. And the thing I just talked about, about rewatchability... I don't, like, would I watch this again? I would give it another chance. I don't think it'll change my opinion much, though. I don't have a deep desire to watch it again. No, I have no desire to see it again. It was fine for what it was. Yeah. We covered it for the podcast, and that's good enough for me. And that's why it's number eight for me. (laughs) Yeah. Moving on. Next up is Don't Look Up from Adam McKay. Betsy, where did you have Don't Look Up? We're in the same neighborhood. I have it at number nine. All right. And how about you? I had it at number seven. Okay, so again, kind of in that bottom half. Yeah. So my whole thing with this movie, and I don't think we talked about it on the podcast, but I thought about it after we finished recording. Okay. So the last two movies that Adam McKay has done that have been nominated for Academy Awards, the first one was about the market crash, the housing crisis, okay? Then the second one was about Vice, those were things that happened for me several years ago. Yeah. We're removed from it. Yep. This movie is a big metaphor for climate change. It is dealing with a lot of very topical issues for right now. And I was so infuriated because of the accuracy and just how real it feels. Yeah that I couldn't enjoy myself. And I think that's what bothered me about this was it was too close to home. It was too real. It was too real. And I was just annoyed. I was just infuriated. And I'll I'll say, I think, I said it in the podcast, I think this was really smart and maybe it's just too smart for me. But in the here and now, I had a really hard time enjoying it. I didn't laugh. It's supposed to be comedy. I didn't really laugh. <laughs> yeah. I, the I, whole two-hour movie. I, I definitely laughed more than you, but I think it's because I enjoy his his style of writing, his style of comedy mm-hmm. uh, in these more serious types of movies, in the more grounded movies that he's done. Now, going back to what you were saying about it being a little bit maybe too smart for its own good, I the, the thing I wrote down about this one was... It is not Adam McKay's best work, by a long shot. It is an important message that he's bringing across, and we talked about it in the episode. We don't disagree with a lot of the things that he's saying. 
but he's doing it in a very condescending way. He's beating you over the head with it. He is beating you over the head with it over and over again. He is not subtle about any of it. So for you to watch a movie and he is making it to kind of like flip things on its head and make you think about things in a little bit of a different perspective. But at the end of the day, it is not a, an uplifting story. It is not a, Hey, we can, we can actually get it, get it going. If we do this, this, and this, no, his message is that we're all fucked. Yeah. So I don't know if you can come away from that movie with any kind of positivity if you don't really give it a good ending and they just don't. Yeah, I just, I don't need to see that one again. I really don't. It's going to, or at least it's going to be a long time before I watch that one again. Yeah. That's how I was left feeling about that one. Yeah. And I wish that, so he used a lot of like, this isn't a spoiler, but there is a stand in for an MSNBC show. And the people on it are kind of stand-ins for the people on another show. And I wish that he just would have tried a little harder to fictionalize this world. I suppose. Like I said, it's very real. Yeah, it's too real. And I think that's that's the big problem. So that's my thoughts about that one. Uh, anything else? Or are we moving on? I think we can move on. All right, what's next? So the next one in the alphabetical release Mm -hmm. is Drive My Car. So this was obviously the the big weird standout because it is a three-hour Japanese movie. Yeah. (laughs) So definitely something a little different for the rest of the group. So Trent, where did you have this movie? So sticking near the bottom, I had Drive My Car at number eight. Okay. I went back and forth on this one a little bit, mm-hmm. and I ultimately landed at number six. Okay. So I think for me, it's firmly in the middle to middle bottom. <laughs> yep. So why did you end up there? So I, again, I went back and forth about this one. Uh, again, none of these movies are bad. And this one in particular, it the, the things that I really knocked against it was number one, the length. Number two, the fact that nothing really happens. Like, there's no culmination. Hardly at all. The only thing that they're kind of hinting at involves somebody who ends up just getting arrested. So, again, it's... There are emotional journeys. There are There is an arc. There are a lot of topics that are, that are covered. And it does it pretty well for a movie that is all in Japanese. Mostly in Japanese. Mostly in Japanese. Okay, okay, that's that's fair. I put it in the middle simply because there are movies I liked better, but I was surprised how much I actually liked this one because I'm never sure about these, you know, really true art house, yeah, lot to digest. But the longer we talked about it, and the more it sat with me. The, the more it has just kind of resonated as far as the execution, like there's some meat on those bones. I was, you got to work to get it. Though. You do. You, yeah. you have to sit through it. And like, I disagree. Like, I don't think that the whole movie felt that long. All things considered, I thought it was going to be exhausting. 
And there were movies that were shorter that we watched in this group oh, oh yeah. that were way more exhausting than oh, Drive yeah. My Car. <laughs> yes. And yeah, I thought the in- the characters were interesting. The story was interesting. Was it weird? Yeah. But I like a weird movie once in a while. Sure. <laughs> and you could have even gone more weird. Oh, absolutely. You could have, like the, again, this is not a spoiler, but... Like the first, what, 40 minutes? 40 minutes. Isn't even, like the first 40 minutes is before even we get any credits. It's, what, prologue. Yeah, it's It's all prologue, prologue, introducing only a couple of characters. You know, those characters are important. These beats are important, but they could have cut that in half. They could have easily cut that in half. It could have been 10 minutes. Yes. Yeah. But they gave you the depth and the exploration of these characters yeah. to give you something to relate back to later in the movie. Yeah. And that's the whole point is all they, the they need is it to tie it together to what happens yeah. later. All the stuff is important in it, but you could have, uh, unless this is just what they were going for, they wanted to have a slow, slow burn Yeah. to whatever the conclusion was. There wasn't even much of a conclusion. So that all being said, again, I didn't hate it. I think there were some really great scenes. Just like knock it out of the park kind kind of stuff. And I was very, very impressed with that. But overall, as like sitting down, looking at the rest of them, it just, it did not rise above all, pretty much all of the other ones. And if you listen to any of the other episodes, you're going to know which is which is our bottom here, and we'll get to it eventually. But the rest of these, I, I had a really hard time ranking. Yeah. The ones Ex- in the middle are very difficult Ex- to rank. Except for, like, my top two. The rest of them were very difficult for me. Uh, so that's Drive My Car. Uh, Betsy, we're still in the Ds. There's a lot of Ds. We have one more <laughs> D movie, uh, and that is Dune. Dune. What did you think about Dune? Much to my own surprise, Trent. Uh oh. I put Dune at number three. Okay. I had Dune in my top three for the year of 2021. Where do you have it? I have Dune at number deuce. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> number two. If for you Dune. had told me last year that you and I would both have enjoyed that movie as much as we did, yeah. I would have been shocked. Because I, this is not, on paper, the sort of thing I go out of my way to watch. But you know what? It is. It's sci-fi. Yeah, but I don't watch a lot of, like, true sci-fi. It and this is, like, true sci-fi. This is, this is like, hard sci-fi. <laughs> yes. It yes. is a lot compacted into a short time that you need to learn about his, the history, yeah. where we are, why things are the way they are. Yeah. They use words that are hard to follow. They have languages that you don't understand. Mm-hmm. There's subtext that they can't get into because they're only doing one movie right now. <laughs> this was an impossible task. Yes. And I think they nailed it. I think... As well as they could have yes. for a part one of this thing. I was re-listening to this episode that we did, and I was like, oh, fuck, this movie's great. (laughs) Like, just remembering it, like, hashing it back up. And I didn't think I would be, like, I thought I would like it. Like, let's go watch this movie. It'll be interesting. Yeah. And this is well before any kind of Oscar talk. Right. 
and I think Dune was maybe number one or number two of the movies that ended up getting nominated. Yep. We just wanted to watch Dune because it was getting so much buzz online and people that I follow really, really liked it. And it's like, okay, I guess we're going to watch this fucking thing. Yeah. And it blew me away. It blew me away. Yeah. And I'm so excited and, now for the second one. <laughs> and Right. And like re-listening to that episode, I was like, oh my God, I'm like excited about Dune again. Right. Yeah. And I think that speaks volumes because I'll be honest. Uh, I don't remember. There's one of these movies. I was listening to that and I was like, I haven't thought about this movie at all since yeah. we watched it. Yeah. There's been a couple of those where I'm just like, we watched it and I moved on. Mm-hmm. Dune, I've been thinking about a lot. Mm-hmm. And when we, when I listened to that again, like you said, I got all excited. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that scene was cool. And that was cool. And that thing was cool. And that, that costume was cool. <laughs> the music Again, was cool. The, the word that I used in the episode, damn, that was cool. It was so cool. It was so fucking cool. I mean, I'm, I'm just hyped that th- we can get some hard sci-fi here. And again, I'm not someone who is just going to go off. Like, I, I didn't watch any of the old Star Trek stuff. Like, I watched Star Wars, and that's about it. Right. As and far as sci-fi. And it's not that sci-fi. It's not. It's an adventure movie in space. <laughs> right. And like we were like discovering stuff that is like very analogous to Star Wars in in that movie, in, in Dune. And it's like, oh shit, like what got inspired by what here? Exactly. So yeah, it's it's an exciting movie. It's visual, visually spectacular. Totally. The music is great. The tech is great. There's a reason it got nominated for a crap load of awards. Oh, totally. And I, and, and I think the, the most important thing about sci-fi in the 21st century is that you can get all the CG that you want in here, but if you don't have good actors, if you don't have good writing, if you don't have good performances by your actors, it's just going to fall apart. Yeah. And I think they got it. They they, they nailed got all it. the parts. They right. nailed it with the, with the cast and the tone of everything. It and was serious without being too serious. Right. It was believable without being ridiculous. Sure. Like it was just all like the for, things. For something that was written in what the 60s? Yeah. It still works. It's incredible. Absolutely. But yeah. Dune, number deuce. And number three for me. Yeah. All right, so the next up on the list is King Richard. Out of the Ds. So, Trent, where did you rank King Richard? I had a hard time with this one. So did I. Um, It was going to be in the middle no matter what I did, but I, I ended up putting it at number six. And I put it at number seven. Okay. So, again, kind of in the same place. Yeah. And that was sort of a last-minute change. I, I I shoved it down right below drive my car at, like, the very last minute. And I think mostly mm. I did that because just I haven't really thought too much about this movie since we watched it. Yeah, that's fair. And I think um, King Richard isn't as novel as right. some of the other ones. We've seen inspirational sports stories before. Yeah. This is a really good one. It's really Probably good. Probably my favorite one. of, And I haven't seen a lot of them. No. I don't really go for stuff like that. This is not like a that. genre you spend a lot of time in. It's definitely not. So for me to come down and really like this one, it's mainly because of the cast. 
Absolutely. Because... The, the strength of this movie is the core group of actors. The girls, Will Smith, the mother, and two of them got nominated for Best uh, best Actor and Best Supporting Actress. Yeah. So there's something. But we talked about it in the episode. The, 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 the two girls who play the sisters, the Williams sisters, they have great chemistry. You can tell that they let these girls hang out and become friends and to the point where you buy them as sisters. Absolutely. And Will Smith is the thing that everybody is going to take away from this movie. Yeah. He is doing a complete physical transformation. Yeah. A vocal transformation. He is... Even in his movements. Yes. He doesn't even walk like Will Smith. No. He has reached the age in his career where he can take on a role like this and do it really well. And be taken seriously. Absolutely. And he deserves all of the praise he's been getting. Like, yeah. I I was saying that, you know, he's at that age where it could be considered a token nomination. He's been nominated a bunch of times before. Yeah, a few times. But he also deserves to win it. And... I'm happy to see him in a movie like this. I'm happy to see it was well-received and well-executed. Yeah. Yeah. You could have a great performance like this, and the movie could be terrible. Oh, totally. But people people is... have won for performances in bad movies. Absolutely. But this is not that. This is yeah. a really good movie. Yeah. I just didn't spend a whole lot of time thinking much about it after the fact. Would I watch it again? I think I would. I Probably. think this is something, Probably. if we were flip channel surfing yeah. and it was on and we it was just the beginning, I'd end up watching the whole thing. <laughs> it's, it's it's Betsy and I's hotel lit, litmus test. So if, we're, if we happen to be in a hotel and we're flipping through channels, because we don't have cable. But if we're in a hotel that has cable, we're flipping through and we see a movie that we that we know and we don't have to pay attention to it, we'll put it on. Yeah, we watched The Matrix the last time we were in a hotel because why not? Right, why not? <laughs> but yeah, this is definitely one of those where if if I turn it on and I'd be like, oh, it's King Richard. Yeah, yeah. If we happen to see this on TV, yeah, I, I would I would throw it on. Would I would I like buy this movie? No. Nah. No. This is a it's on why not sure. kind of a movie. It's like, hey, I remember that movie. It was good. Let's watch it anyway. Uh, so Betsy, next, Licorice Pizza. Oh, boy. Licorice pizza, Trent? Licorice pizza. You want to talk about licorice pizza? Let's. <laughs> this is number 10. This is number 10. This has earned its place at the bottom of my list. Bottom. Is this also your number 10, Trent? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Easily with a bullet. <laughs> so when I first started making my list, my top and my bottom was very easy to make. You made number one and number 10 and then worked your way in between. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we... Uh, I just had so many problems with this movie. I would say of all the movies on the list, this is the only one where I was... I didn't enjoy the movie. You actively hated it. The longer I thought about it, because... The long and short of it, guys, again, trying not to get into it too much and avoiding spoilers... I can't really spoil much because not a lot happens. This is yeah. more one of those, I have made a movie about a time and a place. Yeah, it's a moment in history. And if you weren't there and you're not in on the joke, then what is the point? Yeah. 
and there are just some elements about the characters that bothered me so deeply that I was very it's kind of unforgivable. I was very frustrated to the point where I'm just like, why is this movie nominated? Why? Yeah. Why? I, I don't really get it either. Um, other than the fact that it's who it is, it's Paul Thomas Anderson and it's LA. It's Hollywood. It's not even Hollywood. Except it kind of is. It's like the fringes of people involved in this kind of a place, this kind of a lifestyle. Yeah, it's people wanting to be famous. And, you know, and and I think, okay, these are the, the movies like sins to me. First of all, this movie is just a vehicle for Heim, the band Heim. I'm going to spoil one bit about this movie, and it's not even about the movie. The film, when you press play on your DVD, (laughs) you are treated with a music video of Heim, the band, of which one of the members of the band is the star. One of the stars, co-stars. And I guess Paul Thomas Anderson directs a lot of their, their music videos outside of making movies. That's fine. But what the fuck is a music video doing to start a goddamn movie? I don't know. It You know, it's not like we haven't seen movies that put a short or something before it. Wes Anderson did that before the Darjeeling Limited. There is a short movie that, okay. that happens... Before that. Does it have any... I don't remember the movie. Does does, it have anything to do with it? Yes. It ties into the movie. It's basically another scene that is taking place chronologically before the events of the movie. Okay, fine. So it at least has context and makes sense. That's fine. And, you know, with Pixar, they always have a Pixar short. Yeah. It's like a cutesy little... like It's kind of like an old Hollywood, like, back in the day when you went to the movies, it was an event, and they would do multiple movies. They would show cartoons and things. Like, Looney Tunes was in the theater. Yeah, and and I... There's context to it. And I do not equate that with this. This is... Bullshit. <laughs> I kind of hated that, and y- yeah. It had nothing to do with the movie. Yeah. Other than these girls are in it. Kinda. <laughs> yeah. So that's number one for me. Okay. What's the other unforgivable thing about it? So in the marketing of the movie, they made a big deal about the fact that Bradley Cooper and. Uh, Sean Penn and Tom Waits were in the movie. They're in the movie for like five minutes. They are not important characters. They don't really contribute a whole lot other than they're just kind of crazy. Yeah. You're not actually telling me what this movie is about. You're just telling me that you got some crazy celebrities like bigger stars than the two kids who are the actual stars. Maybe if you told me what you're trying to tell me in the in the in the story in the trailer maybe i might be more apt to come to your movie but no you're going to bait me into thinking oh these other these other actors are the real stars here but all that being said <laughs> there's a lot the worst part is the problematic stuff yeah when they're problematic they're really problematic yeah and, and it's, it's not 20... just one thing. It's not no. just the one that if, if you just Google problematic things about this movie, you're going to get one main thing. It's not just that. Right. There in, are multiple in things. In 2022, here. 
I know we're making a movie about the it's a period 70s, piece. It's a period piece. But there's things that are okay and there's things that are not okay. And I just don't and, understand the inclusion. And those things do not need to be in the movie. No. They do not contribute whatsoever to the story, the plot, anything. Nope. They're just there. Yeah. To make me feel gross. <laughs> yeah. It's this movie. If you take all that out, it's just kind of a boring movie. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's its biggest sin is it's boring. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the next up on the list is Nightmare Alley. Trent, where do you have Nightmare Alley? Going from the bottom all the way to the top. Nightmare Alley is number one for me. Ditto. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I expected little from this movie. I expected little and I got a lot. Yeah. So why is it your number one? Oh boy. Um, it is my number one because Guillermo del Toro puts all of himself into his movies. And you can really tell that every single scene for him is a labor of love. He put all the chips on the table. <laughs> In every scene. Yeah. And it's, it's not just, hey, this set over here. Hey, this, this, this um, production design over here. No, it is everything. It is a visual masterpiece. There is something in every frame, every piece of the frame, much like we were talking about with Belfast, but to a much higher degree and a much higher volume. Because there's not much in Belfast, but in this one, there's so much. And for you to be able to pull that off in the way that he did and have everything be coherent is totally impressive to me. Because you can really lose an audience if you throw too much at them if you put too much on screen if you don't know what to pay attention to this movie nailed it yeah i thought this movie was thought out like they had a plan they worked out every detail yeah. and they executed it to perfection and that's what i mean it's a labor of love yeah because if you understand it and it's in your core as a director you know how to put that across to other people because you as a director don't make the movie by yourself. You have all sorts of production staff who need to help you create your vision and, and what better way than to just share that with them. And I think he, he just did it in a way that everybody was on board with him. Right. And where we watched, you know, there's a lot of period pieces that we watched uh, this round of yeah. Academy Awards. Yeah. And where the last one was a time and a place that I was like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like this time and place is fascinating. Like, I was so engrossed of where we were and when we were yeah. and who these people are. And it only just gives you little nuggets. And I was entranced. I was shocked. I was scared at times. Yeah. I had all... There was funny things in it. <laughs> There's dark things in it. Yeah. The cast is amazing. Yeah. They're all great in it. Mm -hmm. There's, you know... A-list actors, there's character actors, there's no-name people just fleshing out the cast, but they're also incredible. And yeah, I just think from the costumes, to the set pieces, to the cars, to the music, the script, I was in. I was 
fully invested in this yeah. movie. Yeah. And I didn't expect this to be at the top of my list. I was like, eh, this will be a movie. Yeah. This will be in the middle somewhere. Like, oh, I guess Guillermo del Toro did another movie. Okay. Because, like, I saw some of the, like, commercials. Because this kind of came out at the end of last year. They sort of just shoved it out there. Yeah, they just kind of shoved it out there and... You know, they were they showed commercials during during football games and and whatever else, and it didn't really didn't really catch me. It kind of looked like like a noir crime drama, and like it, just another one of those. Yeah, and it is, but, but it isn't. <laughs> it's so much better than that. Mm-hmm. It's so much better than that. Yeah. So yeah. down to every detail. That's why it's my number one. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, guys. So that's the top of our list. We got two more left. What do you think about Power of the Dog? I have The Power of the Dog at number two. All right. And where do you have it? I have it at number three. Yeah, so pretty close again. We just swapped Power of the Dog and Dune. (laughs) So yeah, our top three is the same, except for the order. And I think the thing that these three movies have in common is my expectation of what I was going to be watching was incredibly low. Yeah. I didn't think that any of these movies would be things that I liked. Mm -hmm. And... I said it while we recorded the episode. The power of the dog is a slow burn. Mm-hmm. Slow burn. And you are just kind of chugging along and you're chugging along. And, and you're like, I have no idea what and, the hell I'm watching. And there is a fine line between you being a slow burn and you just kind of fizzling out. And me losing interest in you. No. And just... By the end of this movie, it went from slow burn to wha-bam. Like, I was... Once I clicked, once I got it, once it all came together, it, for me, stuck the landing. It just gives you enough to keep you getting pulled in and pulled in and pulled in. It's just slowly roping you in, pulling you along. You're not quite sure what you're going through. (laughs) And then by the end, you're like, son of a bitch, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the the character work is really great. The acting, acting is, is great. so solid. Uh, and really, by the end, it turns out to be kind of a huge mindfuck. I won't tell you what happens, but good God, you need to watch this movie. It's on Netflix. It's really easy to go and watch it. You should go watch it. <laughs> yeah, I think that this movie, if anything, is unexpected. Yeah. I, I've talked to some people and they're like, Oh, well, it's boring. But then they told me they didn't finish the movie. I'm like, what? No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> you must finish the movie. Yeah. Because what you think you're watching and what you're actually watching are two different things. Yeah. You can't just watch the first two thirds of the movie and not watch the ending. Like, come on, give it a chance. You have to get the, see this one through to the end. Yeah. You have to see it through to the end. Yeah. And yeah, I just think there was a point in this movie where I became so invested that I thought literally anything could happen right now. Yeah. And I was prepared for shock. I was prepared for sadness. I was prepared for a lot of different emotions. You were prepared for like tragedy. I and don't know if I was funny. I don't know if I was prepared for how it actually went down. Completely subverting expectations. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I think This one is deserving of being near the top. Ultimately, I think it's just squeaking a little bit behind Nightmare Alley for me, simply because the overall impact. If I put the two next to each other, 
there's so much all the time with one right. and there's so much that doesn't happen right. until it happens with me with Ni- the other. nightmare alley and dune are number one and number two for me and the reason for that is because there is so much stuff happening the entire length of the movie. Yeah. And it took until the end for Power of the Dog to really slap me across the face. But it did it very effectively. And I think if you can nail that, if you can keep my attention, even though nothing's happening, and you're just doing this character development, hey, good on you. You, you did it. Absolutely. <laughs> you convinced me. You convinced me. And last but certainly not least is West Side Story. So Trent, where do you have West Side Story in your rankings? So just for context here, I I had never seen the first West Side Story movie from the 60s. So this was a completely novel movie for me. Because of that fact, I put West Side Story at number five. I also have it at number five by process of elimination. All right. (laughs) And I think we rank it at number five for completely different reasons. Yes. So why is it number five for you? So it's number five for me because I, I, I kind of knew this story going in, but I didn't know all the beats. I didn't know how they got there. I didn't know, like, I didn't know all like the, the inspirations of it or like the, the thematic stuff about it. I just kind of knew, Hey, Star-crossed lovers in New York City, and there's gangs. That's, and music. That's about all I knew. <laughs> and it was a musical, yeah. But other than that, I think, I mean, the performances were great. The, the, the songs were great. I learned that there were songs in that movie that I knew, but I didn't know they were from that musical. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, and for me, of course, I had seen the original musical. Yeah. So for me, there's times in this movie, it felt like an unnecessary remake, but there were other times in this movie I found myself very invested in what was going on. By by the time I got to the end, and I think ultimately I probably would have had this ranked lower, but the thing it has for me is rewatchability. And I watched this the first time and all I could see is, oh, well, they changed this. They did that differently. Yeah. This is consistent. That's different. But now, now that I've seen it, yeah. I think I could go back and watch this again and appreciate it more just as a standalone. Yeah, because I'm sure the first time what you went through is you were just looking for all the changes because you knew the first movie exactly. pretty well. And you're, you're coming at it from a very different perspective than me, whereas I didn't see it at all. So I was just enjoying it for what it was. And now you would be able to go back and enjoy it for what it is now. Absolutely. It and is I think Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Yes. It is lovely. It is moving. It is colorful. It is totally. it is lit great. <laughs> There's a lot here. Mm-hmm. There is. And I think with this one, what ultimately pushes it up the ranks a little bit for me is the fact that I would watch this again. And I don't think I have to think about that. Yeah. The other ones, I have to kind of go, mm, anything below number five, am I really going to watch that again? Is that really going to come up on my list very often? Sure. Probably not. But this one, I think will. Uh, because I love music. I love me a musical. <laughs> <laughs> and we did three of them this year. We did Tick, Tick, Boom, and we did uh, In the Heights as well. We did. Yeah. So, yes, you know me. I love a musical. This is something I feel like I could revisit. 
So that's going to push it up for me in my overall ranking. Okay. Fair enough. So number five for both of us. So that's our top 10. Uh, Shall we recap before we get into the actual Oscar meet? Absolutely. All right. Ladies first, go from 10 to 1. All right. So my number 10 was Licorice Pizza. Number 9, Don't Look Up. Number 8, we had Coda. Number 7, King Richard. Number 6, Drive My Car. Number 5, West Side Story. Number 4, Belfast. Number 3, Dune. Number two, The Power of the Dog. And my number one movie of these 10 Best Picture nominees, Nightmare Alley. Thank you, Betsy. Uh, For my top 10, from number 10, Licorice Pizza. Number nine, Coda. Number eight, Drive My Car. Number seven, Don't Look Up. Number six, King Richard. Number five, West Side Story. Number four, Belfast. Number three, The Power of the Dog. Number two, Dune. And number one, Nightmare Alley. (laughs) I think it's interesting the years that we have a consensus. It doesn't happen very often. Because it doesn't happen often, but I feel like the last few, as there have been more nominations, we've been a little more in line about at least our top Movies. Yeah, we've been closer. Last year we we swapped. Man, I don't know. I don't remember where you had the father last year. Maybe you had a number three. I don't remember. I think it was middle or top. Yeah, I can't remember. But you are. Yeah, our sections are about the same. Like the order of one through three, and four through six, and the bottom. Yeah, I think might we... be a little bit in flux, but <laughs> the sections are are about. Right. We have tiers, and it mostly boils down to little things yeah and it's our own litmus test of what that little thing is (laughs) the last time we matched up and because this does not happen very often where we have the same number one the the last time we matched up was little women it's true uh, as number one my unabashed love for the film and the book little women (laughs) will destroy any other competition of course (laughs) and, and back in 2019 when that came out i said that was a pleasant movie. I needed that. <laughs> it's true. If you haven't watched it, go watch it, guys. It's really good. All of them. All of them. Why not? I've only seen the one, but whatever. So this all being said, Trent, what are your thoughts about the race as it stands now? We've talked about this before. The Oscars are yeah. weird because they do preferential voting. Yeah. This is how we ended up with... Green Book as the number one best picture movie of the year. Yep. And that was not, in my opinion, the correct choice. (laughs) So I think the prevailing wins are really pointing at the power of the dog. So here's something I've read recently in just the last couple of days. Okay. Because there's no real clear front runner right now. There's nothing coming in sweeping. You're right. The power of the dog is leading, pun intended, the pack. Uh, (laughs) But I've also been hearing that with the way they vote, with the movies and the races it stands, that CODA has been gaining steam. Really? 
Yes, really. I don't know how much weight to put behind that, but in recent days, like in the last 24 to 48 hours, I have heard this and it has been winning at certain awards shows where it's been picking up a lot of things. So when you factor in those two pieces, it might push it up the list. Is it enough to win? I don't know. I don't know because there are some years where it's like the gritty real movie and the heartfelt movie. Yeah. Like the fish man, the last time Guillermo del Toro won, it was that. And it was three billboards. Right. And ultimately shape of water took home the big award. Yeah. This might be one of those years because when you're looking at this entire race, you've got some nice feel good movies and you've got some more dark, gritty, sat- satirical, real movies. It is a it is a very diverse group. Oh, absolutely. I cannot remember a, the, the last group of movies that are this different. Mm-hmm. Like, there's some years where you have, like, a doubling up of a, a type of movie. Like, last year we had two that were kind of about the same yeah. thing. Like, they had yeah. the same character yeah, showed up. Yeah, we had uh, Chicago 7, Trial of Chicago 7, and we had Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah. That were about the same kind of time period in the same place and kind of around the same, like, types of story. And... Some years we have like a lot of like big, big epics. Like the Oscars love big epics. Mm-hmm. There haven't been any big epics lately. No, Dune is the closest to a big epic we've had in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I mean, it, that's got the most nominations, does it not? I think Dune and Power of the Dog have the most. Okay, they're tied. Uh, I think Power of the Dog has maybe one or two more. Okay, so those are the top two anyway. Yeah, Power of the Dog has a lot more, like, acting and writing yeah, and directing. Yeah, they got three acting nods. Meanwhile, Dune got, got nada for director. Yeah. He got snubbed. Yeah. Which I think is bullshit yeah. when you look at uh, someone else who got nominated for a movie it's we've been true. discussing. It's true. So... So, yeah, I think this is going to be another one of those we might be surprised years. It might be Power of the Dog, Walks Away With It, The End. Right. But there's a lot of really solid movies here. And because they're trying to diversify this category, they're trying to diversify the voting group. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It could be interesting. So what do you think? Now, that's just kind of what you've heard. But what do you think? (sighs) It's hard to say. It's really hard to say. I'm I'm still leaning with you that it's going to be the power of the dog because they love that kind of a movie. Yeah. But if there's a dark horse, I buy that argument that Coda might come up and sneak in there. I don't think there's any other movie that really is putting up a fight of the rest of them like Hmm. drive my car is also up for best international movie it's gonna win that easy it's gonna win that it's gonna win that that's not a question but then you know there's zero buzz around that movie though no there's nothing i I didn't even hear anything about drive my car until it got nominated and like with like um parasite i heard people going to see that movie people that i follow going to see this movie and raving, raving about it, saying it is one of the best movies I have seen in the past decade. 
Like, what? This Korean movie? What are you fucking talking about? Is that even playing around here? You know, it's that kind of a thing. Drive My Car had nothing. It just was like, and it's nominated. It's like, oh, okay. Okay, I guess we're going to throw that one in there. But yeah, it's again, it's all that how they vote for it. If it was in your top selection and there's enough people who have it ranked there, it gets them on the list. And because they have it open up to 10, and this is the first time we've had 10 in many years. Yeah. It usually peaks out at about eight. Eight or nine seems to be the sweet spot. So this year to have 10 is interesting. Uh, But going back to what I was saying, Dune, this was part one. Yeah. So... It's probably going to be more akin to, if it pulls it off, more like a Lord of the Rings scenario. Yeah. Where it'll probably get nominated for the parts. For the culmination. Yeah, it might, it has the best odds of winning for the culmination. Yeah. The sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, looking at this, the lay of this land, people were really surprised that Nightmare Alley got nominated. Yeah, and from what I've read, I've read a lot of people's lists and their reviews of these movies just in general. And for the most part, nobody is talking about Nightmare Alley like we are. Right. We're we're geeking out over here. Yeah. We're in the minority. Most people, like, a lot of people have different, different opinions about their top and bottom. Nobody has really anything positive to say about it. In any kind of capacity that will bring it up to the top. No. They're just kind of saying, oh, yeah, it's a it's a noir remake. I guess that's fine. Yeah. And everything else in between, it's like, nice movie, fine movie, good movie. Yeah. But The Power of the Dog won the Golden Globe. That's a weird one because that's a very small group of people that votes on that. Sure. And it's... Not always consistent what wins there, winning something else at the Academy Awards. Sure. So that's a little hard to predict. I think it has the best chance, but there could be an upset. And logic dictates that Coda is one of those feel-good movies that a lot of people really, really like. Hmm. And if enough people like that more than they like Power of the Dog, preferential voting is weird. That's all I'm saying. Again, like there's... There's something in the back of my mind that Licorice Pizza might actually pull this out. Not because it's been winning elsewhere, but just because it's a movie about Hollywood. It's a movie kind of tangentially related to Hollywood. And it's Paul Thomas Anderson, and people seem to love him and everything I will that he touches. Rage. I will rage. It is yeah. far from the best picture. But it's the same opinion that I had last year about I thought The Trial of Chicago 7 was going to win. For best picture and everything else. It got snubbed. It got basically nothing. Nada. Bubkiss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was wrong last year. And, you know, I, I I like Power of the Dog. It was my number three. And I think it would be deserving. But I think anything below, like, our top four is just kind of, okay, all right. Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> Honestly, this this year in general... Nothing really blew me away except for my top four. I feel like that's just sort of the way the Academy Awards have been going now. They're trying to get people to watch, which means they are all over the place. So many things get nominated. Yeah. And so many things get multiple nominations 
but rarely does anything pick up multiple awards. Yeah, nothing usually, ever sweeps anymore. No, you win for costumes and you win for directing and you win for screenplay and that's the only thing you won yeah. and you win for something else and it's always one, 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 one. The most anything it wins is like four and yeah. it's usually the technical stuff. Yeah. But of course, this year they're going to do it a little bit different, and oh, some of the, the technical mm, stuff and like the costumes and okay. all that shit. Should we get into that? Let's talk about this. So first of all, Trent and I have very strong opinions that if Nightmare Alley does not win production design, we're going to start a riot. <laughs> <laughs> and that award, amongst some other awards, yeah. is not going to be... In the main broadcast. They're pushing it off to the side. They're going to pre-record all that stuff so that the fucking geeks and like all the, the weird designers who are going to talk too long and they don't know when to... When, These are not famous people. <laughs> right. Like they can't hit their cue to stop talking. Like we're going to play them off. Oh, I know. I understand you're getting a bunch of beautiful people up there to accept awards. But God damn it. Give these people their due. There, I talked about him when we were talking about Nightmare Alley. Guillermo del Toro is just one person. He can't make the movie by himself. No. All of this stuff comes from his mind, but it's got to be executed by everybody else. Yeah, these movies don't just make themselves, guys. Yeah. The director is only one part of it. The entire way a movie looks... It only exists because these people are doing their jobs. Yeah. So for them to be like, mm, these lesser awards will be pre-recorded off screen it's, and we'll just say they won later. It's still an Oscar. You are still an Oscar winner yeah. if you win for sound editing. Like, listen, they have the entire technical awards. There's an entire second awards show that people yeah. don't get to see because there's so many other awards they hand out. Yeah. That don't make the main ones, the really minor, teeny tiny and, stuff and that's not is, worth mentioning on TV. Yeah. But it's a big deal to them. Yeah. And this is beyond like the sound editing and the production design that is no, normally this is like normally on the on the broadcast. This is other shit. This is the guys who invented motion capture yeah. getting credit for creating brand new technology yeah. to use in film. Yeah. The guys who have like the, you know engines that create entire backgrounds at the drop of a hat, yeah. all AI generated yeah. Yeah. and the way they do makeup and the way they do, they do sound and the way they do all these things. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's kind of bullshit that they kind of, they're and like, there was nah, a, we'll put that in the beginning. And there was a big push uh, recently from like some of the nominees yeah. who were out there saying, you guys need to fucking reverse this because this is bullshit. You are shortchanging some of the most talented people in Hollywood who make these movies for you and at that, the, that just make us look good. And at the time of this recording, it's going to be on Sunday yeah, everything and nothing is, has changed. No, everything is as it was. So, And you know, this is, I again, it's a big ploy to try to get people to watch. So like last year, I brought this up to you the other day. Yeah. They're, they're putting out, oh, these people are announcing and those people are presenting and these people are hosting. Last year, they had a smaller event. You know, we were still... No, COVID. COVID. And all of the musical performances took place in the pre-show. 
So we didn't actually watch the pre-show, which no. meant we didn't see any of the original song performances. And in normal years, they they perform all of the nominated original songs live, on the broadcast. live on stage. And now this year, we've got Billie Eilish, huge star, yeah. and Beyonce, megastar. She's nominated. And guess what? All of a sudden, we're going to put the original songs back into the broadcast. Yeah. So it's just convenience for convenience sake. Sure. If something incredible that everybody fucking loved was nominated for one of those awards, it would be in the broadcast. Sure. But they're like, no, it's going in the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. And I just think they need to stop tinkering. Yeah. This award show is almost 100 years old. You're going to get fewer viewers this I, year than the year before, no matter what why you the, do. And I understand you're trying to make money. There are sponsorships here. And I don't really know much about how movies get made. But I appreciate when I can see, oh, that guy did, did the sound for that movie. He also did it for that other movie. No yeah. wonder I like that. Or like the whole... Pro- I, I, I like watching the production design nominees just to see how like sometimes they they even give you some background info like when they're actually showing the nominees they're giving you like behind the scenes stuff they're giving you like storyboard designs and shit like that that's very very interesting to me i love watching like dvd commentaries and um like the the dvd extras and shit you of like the behind the scenes stuff cuz that's so interesting to me i n- i've never been on a movie set before yeah you don't even think about how difficult it was to get that one shot. Right. All the work that went into it for 12 seconds of footage. Right. And it the took more, weeks, you know? And the more we watch these, these movies, the more we watch movies in general, I think about the production of them. I think about, oh man, that must have been really difficult to film that shot in particular. Or you notice, oh, this is a single continuous shot or right. the illusion we, of it. We start noticing things like that and we start to appreciate it more because we notice it. Mm-hmm. And I really want the people who are making those decisions and making the execution happen. I want those people to be recognized because again, we keep not to belabor the point, but it's more than just the pretty actors on screen. Absolutely. Yeah. They do a hell of a lot more and they get paid a hell of a lot less. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Let them have their moment with their golden statue. Right. Speaking of golden statues, Trent, so who else do you think, who do you want to talk about? What are, what are we predicting might happen during the Academy Awards this year? So shall we go with uh, director or do you want to talk about some acting stuff? Sure. Let's start with director. Okay. So for director, all of the movies that are nominated for director are also nominated for best picture. That never happens. It rarely happens. Oh my God. This is more consistent with how it used to be because this category is still limited to five. Right. All of the other categories here are limited to five. Best picture is still 10, which is why a list like this can exist where all of the directors are also included in the best picture stuff. They double dip. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, we've got Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Jane Campion, the lone woman again, in The Power of the Dog, 
Ryusuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car and Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. So this is kind of an interesting category. You know, you knew Steven Spielberg was getting nominated for this. He is the Meryl Streep of directors. <laughs> Always the bridesmaid. <laughs> Rarely the bride. Yes. Uh, yeah, Once Upon a Time Belfast was leading the way as far as nominations, like buzz, things that yeah. people thought it were going to go. It was at the top of like everybody's list. And now it's sort of cooled. Uh, I would say for me, the race is between Kenneth Branagh and Jane Campion. I'd say, uh, yeah, yeah, that's about right. Uh, I think there's a very solid chance that Jane Campion is going to win. Because the power of the dog, yeah. if it doesn't win best picture, I think it stands a very fair chance of winning director. Yeah. I think it's still kind of a crime that Denny Villeneuve is not on this list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if, yeah, I think he is probably the most snubbed. Absolutely. Out of all the directors of all those best picture nominees. Yeah, there were a couple of first-timers for movies that didn't get nominated for Best Picture. Like, yeah. there was a lot of talk that uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal might get nominated. Sure. I'm a little disappointed she wasn't. But, you know, you can only have one woman, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> We've done it a few times in the last few years. Oh, Why Betsy, go with two? Betsy, a woman won last year. So, oh, my so God. you can't have everything. You, you had yours. <laughs> <laughs> lucky me i'll wait another few years till it happens again uh, or this year i would love it if she won because that would be two in a row that's never happened yeah never and yeah. it'll probably not happen now that i've said it out loud it's I recorded want it, i want it too badly it's recorded <laughs> but from a practical standpoint i think kenneth Branagh has the best chance of getting it just because he's He's had that buzz about him the entire time. I've heard nothing, nothing about the rest of these guys. Yeah. Like, and again, Spielberg, he was going to be there. Yeah. If he wins, I'll be amazed. I think he would be surprised. I think he, he would be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Not undeserving. I think there's only one there that I'd yeah. be really annoyed by. <laughs> it's a Spielberg movie. It's going to be flawless. It's just the way it is. Yeah. He's got a certain style... He's got a, a certain skill set. Yeah. It's Steven Spielberg. Yeah. He wouldn't be my pick, though. No. Not this year. Nope. All right, let's shift to acting, Trent. So, actor in a lead role. Uh, so, we've got Javier Bardem for Being the Ricardos. Did not see. Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog. Okay. Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah, buddy. Will Smith for King Richard. Yeah. And Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth. Did not see it. So, yeah, there's two there we haven't watched and three we have. Mm -hmm. What are your feelings about this category? If it was any other year, I might have a hard time with this one. But I, I'm, I'm hoping that it is Will Smith's to lose. I think it's absolutely Will Smith's to lose. Yeah. And if I say he's going to lose it to anybody, I think it'll be Andrew Garfield. You think so? Of are, that, are you being hopeful there, or do you think it's actually possible? I think that he delivered a beautiful and incredible performance. I was very moved by, 
And he's having a moment. And sometimes all you have to do is have a moment. You're not wrong. And people get their weight behind you and they say, I like you. But that, for that same reason, could be why Will Smith takes it. Yeah. And I said it in the episode. And that was before the nominations came out. I had to see what the category was. You know, Benedict Cumberbatch could also do it. You know, yeah. I don't know. There's kind of a three-way race happening here, in yeah, my opinion. I, I agree with he you. He won the Golden Globe. Yeah. But I think most likely scenario is that this is Will Smith's year. Yeah. He has been nominated a number of times. I said it in the episode a few months ago, before I saw the landscape of what was happening, mm-hmm. that I just had this vibe that this might be the time in his career, the place, the movie, all the factors, the stars have aligned. And yeah, I think it's his to lose. If he doesn't win it this year, I don't know if he ever will. It's it's going to be it's going to be tough. Yeah. It'll be real tough if he loses. I'll be really sad, honestly. I want him to win. Yeah. Because I think he deserves it. Is this his most profound, his biggest, his best performance. I'd have to go back and look at those other ones. Like, mm-hmm. I've never seen Ali. I don't know. I can't yeah. compare. Yeah. But I was impressed with what he was doing. And I think if he wins, it is a deserved win. Yeah. Not Again, not to say that Andrew Garfield it would not be deserving. I'm not trying to discount him. I think he did a really good job. And I talked about Benedict Cumberbatch. Again, a very physical yeah. transformation. Yes. He the is way he living stands that and character. moves and talks. Yeah, he is totally living that character um, as much as Will Smith is. Yes. So, uh, man, I don't know. I would I mean, be thrilled if he won. I'm not going to lie because yeah. I love Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> so if he were to beat Will Smith, okay, I could live with it. I just feel bad for Will Smith. Right. And I think you would be just ecstatic if Andrew Garfield won. Oh, my God. If, if, <laughs> if of those three, it yeah. was Andrew Garfield... I would just be floored. I would be floored. Yeah, I think the that other two guys shocked. would be too. <laughs> that would be an absolute upset. Yeah, totally. <laughs> absolute upset. And there just hasn't really been like super clear front runners. Like Will Smith has been starting to sweep though. And that's why I think mm, he's been cleaning up. It's yeah. probably going to Will Smith. Yeah. And this could be a completely boring year where it just goes to the obvious things. I don't think it's going to happen, though. All right. So speaking of a, a category that is a little hard to predict, I'm going to switch it to actress in a leading role. Okay. Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Now, once upon a time, same thing. Kristen Stewart came out the gate swinging. Yeah. She is now Academy Award nominee Kristen Stewart. Henceforth, no matter what happens. (laughs) And a lot of people thought, this is her year. She's going to do it. And then, wah, wah. Like, it's just cooled completely. Okay, I I take exception to that. Okay, and, and before I get into that... Betsy's going to do more more of the talking here because we hadn't seen any of these movies. We haven't seen any of these. None of them. No. But you follow the trades. You follow that stuff a lot more than I do. So I'm going to let you do most of the talking. But with Kristen Stewart, a lot of the awards that she was just snubbed for are the British awards. Fair. Now, the reason I believe that she was snubbed for those awards is because she's playing Diana. 
I think it is as simple as that. I think I don't th- I don't know if it if it is like vindictive or malicious or not, but like 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 a how dare you uh play our princess or whatever the fuck. I don't have no idea if it's that or not. But if there's ever a reason for that, it is because it, they are British wards. And right. an American should not be playing a British princess. All right, then. That's my opinion about that. I don't necessarily agree with it. I haven't seen any of her performances. I haven't seen any of the performances. Well, so and, I couldn't really tell you anything. And that's why this category is really weird, because Jessica Chastain won in the place where Kristen Stewart wasn't nominated. Yeah. But I don't know off the top of my head who won the Golden Globe because, again, it was a different group of people. Sure. And so this one is going to be a little unpredictable for me. Mm. I have a friend who said if Nicole Kidman wins for being the Ricardos, she's going to like go on a rampage <laughs> <laughs> because it's just why is Nicole Kidman playing Lucille Ball? I don't know. I really... I'm glad that didn't get nominated for Best Picture just based on the trailers. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to see it. I'm not interested in watching that movie. No. Like, it bothers me, Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball. I get it. I get why she's bothered by that. And I think it's more likely that the dark horse in this race might be Olivia Coleman. Maybe she's the front runner. I really don't know. This is the one category I'm going to be taking an absolute yeah. shot in the dark for who I think's going to win yeah. when I fill out my ballot. Yeah, and I, and I can see why. Because I just, there's no clear front runner to me. Because Kristen Stewart sometimes is winning. Yeah. And sometimes isn't being nominated. Right. And sometimes Jessica Chastain is winning. And sometimes Olivia Coleman is winning. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it comes down to the three award shows right before. So I think there's something like the SAG Awards or something, like the uh, a couple nights before, or maybe that just happened. There's some awards show happening right before the Academy Awards that tends to be the real, this is the one we're looking at. Mm. And that sort of determines because it's the Producers Guild, I think. Okay. And that might be what clinches this. So Mm. we'll see. I'm very interested in this category. I don't know what's going to happen. And that's fair. Again, we haven't seen any of the movies. No. Like we saw three out of the five with the best actor, but this one, nada. Right. All right, so now on to the supporting categories. So for actor, we have Kieran Hines in Belfast, Troy Kotzer in Coda, Jesse Plemons in The Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons in Being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith-McPhee in The Power of the Dog. Now, same thing here. At one point, I would have told you Cody Smith-McPhee, hands down. Okay. Because he was out there... Scooping him up. Yep. He's the kid. <laughs> He's the kid in The Power of the Dog. Yeah. I was frankly surprised that Jesse Plemons got nominated. Me too. That was a pleasant surprise, but a surprise nonetheless. I like Jesse Plemons as an actor, mm-hmm. but I think in that movie he didn't do enough to really merit it, but what the hell do I know? <laughs> and sometimes these categories are weird. Yeah. The supporting categories are very broad, and you can get nominated for doing very little. Yeah. Very little. Uh, I think, however, that Troy Kotzer is probably going to walk home with this one for Coda. Hmm. Because, once again, he sort of started creeping up and he's been winning an award and winning an award and winning an award. Hmm. And this is another reason why I said earlier that the winds of change seem to be blowing that way. I think if it's going to win one, this is it. Okay. 
and he he plays the father. He's the father in in Coda. I do think that he really fit that role very well for what it was for a non-speaking person, for a non-hearing person, for you to be able to take direction and and be able to put on screen what is being asked of you like that is not an easy thing to do. No, you're working through an interpreter. Yeah, you're working through an interpreter and you have to really get what this script is and really translate that, that onto the screen. And you did it. I, I think I think he, he did it as, as well he is, as he could have. Um, if, I, if I had my choice, it would be Kieran Hines. For Belfast? For Belfast. Um, he didn't really have a lot of like hard things to do in that, but I think he filled that role in, in, in the best way that he can. And I just really like him as an actor. Yeah, you kind of have your choice here between like the heartwarming grandfather and the heartwarming father. Right. So it just pick your poison. Yep. So to speak. And the problem with having two actors from the same movie with the power of the dog, it splits the vote. Yeah. I think more people would probably vote for Cody Smith McPhee. But, you know, it's again, if anybody else is going to win, it'll be him. Yeah. But I think from where I'm sitting right now and from what's been happening recently, it's going to be Troy Kotzer. Okay. Fair enough. All right. On to supporting actress. Uh, it's going to be Jesse Buckley, The Lost Daughter, Ariana DeBose, West Side Story, Judy Dench for Belfast, Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog, and Anjanu Ellis for King Richard. Hmm. So I was so excited when Kirsten Dunst got nominated. <laughs> My little, like teenage heart who watched her in things like bring it on and little women <laughs> and just i watched kirsten dunce is one of those people i have grown up with yeah she was a kid when i was a kid she yeah. was a teen when i was a teen and she was doing the cool things on yeah. screen when she's playing the same age as us and yeah she's in drop dead gorgeous and dick and uh what spider-man she's in all the spider-man <laughs> movies you betsy know. betsy was behind me while we were watching the nominations get announced. And I just heard this squee off to the side. <laughs> <laughs> she was so happy. I am I am so happy. I thought <laughs> she was very good in that movie. Yes. And I think it's well-deserved. However, this is the one award I don't think anybody has any question yeah. that it is going to go to Ariana DeBose yeah. for West Side Story. Yep. That one, I think, was the first award that kind of got locked in weeks ago where it's been consistent. She yeah. has just been sweeping, cleaning up yeah. everywhere she goes. Yeah, I don't really think there's a whole lot more to say about it mm -hmm. in that category. <laughs> Again, I agree with everything you just said. It's a pretty much a foregone conclusion, but we've been wrong before. We have. If Like, that would be an another absolute that would shock. be an epic upset it would be an epic upset and it doesn't happen a lot uh, it happened last year with anthony hopkins that's true everybody was talking about chadwick boseman being the shoe-in for best actor with all of the circumstances surrounding it i get it but it went to the person who was the most deser deserving and i think the difference there is with a lead role, sometimes it's back and forth where uh, this award goes to them and then this one goes to the other person. Like it was happening with Meryl Streep. Yeah. So the year she won her last Academy Award, it was her and um, 
oh, I can't remember. There was somebody else, another actress. So it was like back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And ultimately, Meryl won. And then the next time, it was back and forth and back and forth. And then Meryl lost. Hmm. So it just sort of depends on the category and the year. This one, it's not been so back and forth. Yeah. This has been, she wins, she wins, she wins. Yeah. So that's why I feel a little more confident about this one. If she were not to win, that would be the biggest upset of the night. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's just not have it right at the end of the Academy Awards. Oh, God. <laughs> that was the weirdest twist I've ever seen. And have them not even be there. It's like, okay, we're done. Bye. So yeah, we're not going to get into every other category. Those are like the big, the big heavy hitters. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's quite a lot of other interesting races. You know, the screenplay is always kind of an interesting one. Original yep. and adapted. Yep. Score. Original song could get interesting this year. Yeah. Like when we're talking about like a screenplay, there are some like dark horses out there where like the year that Camille Nanjiani and his wife got nominated for their script of uh, The Big Sick. I think that was called. Yep. Yeah. That was incredible. I knew they weren't going to win. They probably didn't know they were going to win. Mm -hmm. But just the fact that they got nominated for that movie, which was a really cute movie. You it should, go should have been it. nominated for Best Picture. It uh, should have. Worst movies have been nominated for oh, Best wait. Picture. Oh, yeah. That, that should have been a, a year, uh, one of those where they expanded it just by one, just I, to include that one. Wish You Were Here, The Big Sick. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That was my, my choice that year. Yes. This but, yeah. year, it's Wish You Were Here, Tick, Tick, Boom. <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of people would say that, but everybody has a different opinion about which movie that you would take out. What do you get rid of and put right. Tick, Tick, Boom in instead? Right. I know you... my choice, but nobody else seems to have the same kind of opinion. So... I do, Trent. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. Yes, thank you. At least we have each other. <laughs> <laughs> we could have our own list. We just did. <laughs> but we had to rank all of them that they said. That's fair. We have our own awards show, Betsy. We haven't watched enough movies that came out specifically last year to have a sound list. <laughs> Who cares? We have our own award show anyway. <laughs> it's true. And it's all encompassing. Parameters it's whatever be the damned. fuck we watch. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's going to be the end of the discussion about all the Oscar stuff. But we did want to fit in as many emails as we still had about all of the Oscar movies, all of them from Stephanie, by the way. Nobody else seems to be watching them besides her and us, so hey. Or if they are, they're not contributing their They're not opinions. contributing any emails. So. so you will listen to Stephanie. Yes. So Stephanie, you are the honorary third member of this podcast for today anyway. So we've got one, two, three, four emails about four of the movies. Now, I'm just going to warn you, uh, we might cover some spoilers in this section. So if you don't want to hear about uh, these movies, we're talking about Belfast, Licorice Pizza, West Side Story, and Drive My Car. If you don't want to listen to them, don't bother. Go ahead and email us and Twitter and contribute all that other stuff. And listen we'll get to the to end that. of a different episode. And listen to the end of the different episode, blah, <laughs> blah, blah. Or skip ahead now. <laughs> yes. So we're going to cover a few movies here that might have spoilers in them. I have no idea. I didn't read these in advance. <laughs> you haven't read them recently. Certainly. Not recently. Uh, so to start off, uh, we're going to talk about Belfast. Uh, she says, hey, Belfast is finally available on Amazon Prime. This one was wonderful. I absolutely loved it. I laughed and cried and just loved all of the characters so much. 
Judy Dench, and Kieran Hines deserve those nominations for sure. The cinematography was fantastic. There were so many delightful scenes. That little boy is so damn cute. The music was great. Every little bit of this movie was wonderful. Yeah, moving sucks, but having our families close while our daughter is growing up was really important to us. Uh, this week we watched another Jamie Dornan flick, Synchronic. It was a decent sci-fi movie with Anthony Mackie. I don't think I've heard of this one. I also haven't heard of this one. Yeah. Uh, I have seen a couple others from this writer and director team. Uh, they're all pretty good, but I feel like something is missing. Uh, we also watched Turn Red, which is a pretty good Disney movie. It takes place in 2002, so boy bands and Tamagotchis. I love it. I've been hearing a lot about Turning Red. We're going to get to that one, We'll I think. eventually get to that one, I think. But yeah, we, we don't really watch movies as they come out, because we have other things to watch, <laughs> especially lately. Uh, so that was Belfast. We're going to move on to Licorice Pizza. Uh, I have a feeling Stephanie is going to have the same kind of opinion about this movie. <laughs> Licorice Pizza. I did not enjoy this movie. I am deeply repulsed by their relationship. I was bored by the action or lack thereof. I heard people rave about Bradley Cooper, but he was barely in it and not any better than, than he was in Nightmare Alley. I felt like Gary was a budding con man or cult leader. <laughs> Uh, his confidence and other and general persona felt like it could turn shady in the next few years. Yeah, dude, like kids only, what, like 15? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Alana was super lost and weirdly naive for a 25-year-old or 28-year-old, whatever the hell she was. Uh, I kind of wanted to shake her and say, be a goddamn grown-up already. You don't have to have your whole life figured out. But it is weird that she doesn't have any of it figured out. Yeah. Yeah. Just the fact that, yeah, you're just hanging out with a bunch of teenagers and kids and just doing weird shit. And you're supposed to be the grown-up You here. don't have a job-ish. Or your like job you is do. bullshit. Your job is, like, assisting a photographer who takes pictures of high schoolers. Yeah, that's not a job. That's not a job. That's not even an internship. I agree that the famous people and kids of famous people are super distracting. This movie is way more than 20 minutes too long. I would say it's about 40 minutes too long. I had no idea that pinball was ever illegal. Yeah. It's true, guys. Yeah. Uh, there were like five partial storylines that could have been told a lot better if you fleshed out two of them. I suppose Paul Thomas Anderson is trying to make it more real life, where there are just no linear storylines. But fuck, man, give me a plot and a story with a point. Yeah. There w there really wasn't any point to that. This movie was pointless. Like, if you're going to have a, like, a love story, and it's not even a love story. It's like fucking puppy love. Except if it's that. It's like creepy puppy love. Yeah. It's like stalker love. It is. It's more akin to that. It's a stalker thing with the with the boy and both directions. Right. And it's it's more creepy with her being eventually interested in him. Yeah, it's just weird. It's just weird. Don't watch that movie. Don't do it, guys. Don't do it. Unless you're a completist. <laughs> um I'm very glad that I did not buy this or go see it in the theater. This deserves worst screenplay by a renowned filmmaker. It does not deserve any Oscars. Not a fan. But you guys are great. <laughs> we'll save the thanks for later. 
Uh, West Side Story is up next. So good. I really like this version. I was impressed by the cast. My God, Maria is fantastic. Yes, agreed. I liked most of the changes slash updates. I really enjoyed the deeper backstory for Tony and the Valentina slash Doc switch where it was a, a, a dude in the original movie. Yeah. And it is his wife who is played by Rita Moreno. Yeah. Uh, in this movie. Uh, the Spanish dialogue was nice to see, as was the non-binary nod. Uh, I liked the new order of the songs as well. Uh, the cleaned up language did not bother me that much. Yeah, you kind of mentioned that, the, that they took out some fucks and just kind of clean, like just polished it up it. a little bit. I just want them to curse. And I want it to be gritty and real. Yeah. Like, I just wanted you to go farther. Like, it's, I have this memory. It got a little, it got a little like, silly. Like, yeah. nobody, nobody even back then said bugging when they no. really meant fucking. And in the context of 1960, whatever this came out, I can look at it now and go, well, it was the 60s and you couldn't do that right. in movies. You can do that now. You could do way worse things in movies now. Yeah. And you didn't go there. And that just bothered me. I wish you'd just gone there. Yeah. And in the hands of anyone other than Steven Spielberg, they probably would have. Yeah. And again, I did. it did not bother me because I didn't know the original. So I, I, I understand how it, it is bothering you more. Fair enough. So... Uh, moving on, uh, there were a lot of really beautiful shots. Agreed that the lighting is gorgeous. We talked about a couple of scenes where things were very, very well shot. Um, and she says, I'm not sure this was a, a necessary remake. However, I did really like it, and I thought the changes were good. And finally, this one I haven't even read uh, before this, so this oh is God, all brand new. Oh, God, you're getting new. the unfiltered yes. reaction. Yes, <laughs> uh, About Drive My Car. Uh, I did enjoy this one, but it is extremely long and I had to watch it in two chunks. I agree with Trent that the scene with the young actor and the director in the car talking and then telling Otto's story was fantastic. I loved it. 100% that is the best scene in the entire movie. Definitely. Yeah. I like Chekhov and Uncle Vanya and found that the scene of the actual performance where that actress is signing incredibly moving. I would love to see a multilingual production like this. I mean, yeah. Except, it was very cool. Except for the fact that we saw one. Shut up, Trent. <laughs> if you Wasn't... didn't, if you didn't listen to the episode, we had we had gone to see a Klingon Christmas Carol. We did do that. Done in the exact same way, where dialogue that is spoken in the Klingon language is up on a screen, and everybody on stage is actually speaking Klingon. It was stupid and glorious. I loved it. And glorious. <laughs> uh, back to the email. Betsy mentioned the universality of the themes, and I feel like that is really where the multilingual approach to the play comes in. Overall, I really liked it. However, it is a bit too long. And then she says, I only have one Best Picture nominee left, which is Coda, but I think I can squeak it in before Sunday. From... Super fan, Stephanie. Thank you for all those emails, Stephanie. Yes, thank you, Stephanie. Oh, boy. I'm glad somebody else is watching this with us. I feel like <laughs> we're not the only ones out here doing this. I have friends who do this every year, so yeah. I know they're out there. They yes. just haven't made themselves known yet. Right. It takes effort to listen to a podcast. I get that. 
I hope everybody who listened to this enjoyed it. We always enjoy doing this, even though it's only our second annual. (laughs) It's true. I I enjoy just having the conversation with you and having the conversation with our, with our listeners. Um, Just reacting to what they say and what you say. Uh, I think this is, it is kind of a cliche to do an Oscar special and things like that. And if if you're a movie podcast, you're always going to do an Oscar thing, but you know, I think this is the most interesting part of it. Whenever we do a summation, like we've done probably three or four, five specials now where we're kind of summarizing what we just listened to. But, you know, this is probably the most interesting ones because we're not just a, a, a knee-jerk reaction. This is just a conversation of, of, about our feelings. Absolutely. So, anyway. So, that is the real end of this episode. I want to thank you again for listening. If you would like to email us your thoughts or your list or your reactions, because by the time this this episode comes out, it is Oscar Day. It is. By the way. So if you did not actually know that, you know, set a reminder for tonight at whatever fucking time it is. <laughs> Central Eastern Mountain. We don't know. Just turn on the TV. Turn on the damn TV. <laughs> I think it's on ABC most years. So anyway, email us neverseenitpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, never seen it underscore pod. Betsy might even be live tweeting. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. If, if interesting things are happening. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, if you want to support the show, we would love you forever if you did so. Click the link in the podcast description about support. You'll be taken to a page on Anchor. You can throw us a buck on there if you want. If you have no bucks to give, no big deal. You can just share us with your friends, put it on your social networks, uh, or you can go on iTunes and rate us on their five stars. That apparently helps. But yeah, again, this has been another year of Oscar movies. That's it, Trent. A, a, a very unique one. 2022 is in the bag. We're going to watch the Oscars Sunday night. I hope you will too. But until next time, this has been Never Seen It. My name is Trent. My name is Betsy. And we'll see you at the movies. Wait, somebody else said that. Nerd! Wait. Nerd! <laughs> All right, bye-bye.